Hello and welcome to episode 29 of the Helpside Coaching Basketball Strategy and Analytics Podcast. My name is John Jansen, head men's basketball coach here at La Sierra University located in Riverside, California. And we are fully into basketball season. We had our first game, we had a scrimmage, and the games are going to start coming up quickly. With this week, we have one game, and after this week, we have basically two games or more the rest of the season. So it's upon us. It's very exciting. We've had about a month and a half of practice, and we're in the thick of it. So I'm going to start off with talking about our season starting and some things that have come up during our season. In the analytics section, we're going to talk about uh, your first coaching job. And in the strategy section, we're going to talk about leaving your comfort zone. So the first thing we're going to talk about today is my season getting going. Uh, we had our first game. We had we had a scrimmage and we killed the team. It was a really really weak team. It was just a good chance for our fans to come out and and see our guys play and you know everybody hit make shots and we look great and it was what kind of expected. So then we played a really good team in our first game and we got beat up pretty good and in the moment. It was very frustrating and because I thought we could compete with this team and we didn't. I mean, we competed for about five minutes and we competed. You know, we outscored them by two in the second half, but the game was already over by halftime. So I was I was a little disheartened by the result. And then I went back and looked at the film and I knew in the game we had done some really good things offensively. And I think I was more disheartened by our defense and by our lack of energy once we got behind to kind of play with urgency and try to catch up. But, you know, offensively, we didn't make any shots. We had, we, we, we did a really good job. We only had 12 turnovers, which at our level is really good. And we got open shots. And I knew we were not making open shots during the game, but going back and watching the film a few times, I ended up showing it to the players and I recorded 21 basically wide open shots of which we made three. And I think at wide open shots, I think that you could say making 50% is fair. I think it's actually low. So if we make seven more shots, and most of these wide open shots were threes, a few of them were mid range, but most of them were threes. So you're adding about 20 more points to our score. We still lose, but it's a very competitive game. And obviously that changes the entire dynamic of the game. We probably play harder. They probably don't play as free, and so on and so forth. So that made me feel like we're going to be okay because I know my guys, and these are great shots for guys that can make these shots. It wasn't like our center standing at the three-point line and missing threes. No, this is our best shooters, wide open, four threes, and they just didn't go down. And it was everybody, basically. And I don't know what the reason is. Well, I have a feeling... And we're going to get to that later when we talk about comfort zone. But it could have been a, a totally different game. What was disheartening was we didn't defend the way I hoped we would have. And we just got outran by them. And that's something we've been working on. That's what we're going to talk about later. But I think that we're going to be okay. I think we have a really good nucleus of players. I think we can go 12 deep without really losing a whole lot which is really, really nice. And I think that our starting lineup is as good as any starting lineup 
that we're going to play in our conference, maybe not overall because we play some Division One schools and stuff, but within our conference, I think our, our starting lineup is as good as, as, any, as any in our league. So it's, it was disheartening, but I think that we're on the right path and we're making some changes positive changes and I think they're going to start showing up in our in our games coming up here. So, moving on to the analytics section, I want to talk about a first coaching job. And the reason this came up is one of my ex-players has his I don't know if it's even his first coaching job, but it's he's a co-head coach of a high school. And I didn't mean first coaching job ever. I meant first coaching like significant job, like the head coach of like a JV or a varsity team or even a freshman team is, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a cool feeling the first time you get a, a coaching job and you're the head coach. And he was asking me for some advice cause he was really nervous and he, you know, he's, he knows basketball, he's a point guard, but it's still different when you're in charge. And the advice I told to him and the advice I will give to you guys is, well, first of all, as you're becoming an assistant and as you're working your way up the ladder, you're gonna, you should be a sponge to everything, to everybody, to everything. Basketball on TV, other coaches, the internet. I mean, you should just be just absorbing as much information as you possibly can. Every single day, you should be learning something new. And just like anything in life, you need to pick through what you learn and choose what you agree with and what you don't agree with. And look, as when I was coaching as an assistant, high school, uh, uh, college, every level, there's a lot of things that you learn that you disagree with. And you go, okay, when I'm a head coach, we're not going to do this because I don't think this is the, the way that, first of all, you don't think it's the right way, but everyone's perspective is different. So for you, it's not the right way. It's, it's your perspective on it. So you need to be learning what you want to do and learning what you don't what you don't want to do and learning what you like. So if if a coach maybe is too soft on players or is too hard on players, you make mental notes, you go, okay, I'm not going to do it this way because this isn't working and I, I think this isn't the right way for me. And you should probably write these things down. You know, I have a I have a notebook almost completely full of plays, notes, ideas, you know, things I've learned at clinics, everything that I've like learned on my way up. I've written down in this notebook and, you know, I go back to it sometimes and kind of just remember what's important to me because as you evolve, your thoughts change and something happens and you maybe have to change what you do based on a certain group or a certain player, but you don't want to get away from that philosophy forever. You just have to adjust to the personnel that you have. So again, sponge learning get on the internet. There's so much information out there. There's so many people that want to give information. That's a huge thing. And then the th- next thing I told him, and you know, it's for, for being a co-head coach, it's a lot easier than being a head coach because when you're a head coach, you have to take, you have to be in charge of everything. Being a ho- co-head coach, you know, you can kind of pick and choose your areas of expertise. And that's kind of what I told him. I said, you know, you're as a point guard, maybe you should want to, wor- you know, concentrate on working with the guards, concentrate on working on guys coming off ball screens, kind of concentrate on guys, you know, one-on-one moves or or seeing the floor and making reads, things like that, things that are in your wheelhouse. And that's what you really want to do, especially as an assistant, you know, you get your foot in the door because hopefully you have some kind of specialty 
like I was a post coach and my first, you know, I was selling myself when, my, when I first started coaching, hey, I can be your post coach, you know, and they look at me, I'm 6'8", and they go, okay, yeah, this guy, this guy, you know, played in college, played professionally, he can probably be a post coach. And then you get in the door and then you learn everything else, you know, if I didn't feel confident about my guards, I would just learn from the guard coach or from the head coach or, or whatever. And then you expand your knowledge base and you research on the internet. You see what, you know, professional coaches are doing in those areas that you feel you're weak at. It's just like being a player, you know, you have your strengths and you go to your strengths as much as possible. But while you go to your strengths, you learn and work on your weaknesses and that makes you more well-rounded. And as a, as a coach, as a head coach, especially, you want to be very well-rounded, you know, we see in not just basketball, but all sports, you know, I mean, coming to mind immediately is Mike D'Antoni, great offensive coach, not a great defensive coach, you know, uh, Tom Thibodeau, great defensive coach, not a great offensive coach. And along with him is uh, my guy that used to be at UCLA is at Mississippi State now, Ben Howland. He was a great defensive coach when he was at UCLA. They made it to back-to-back Final Fours, but they couldn't, they had no offense. It was just a slow, drag-it-out offense, and they grinded out every single win. And you and so you want to be well-rounded. And it's it's okay to have a specialty. It's great to have a specialty, especially on your way up, because if you are known for this specialty, you can get yourself indoors in in jobs by having this specialty, you know? sell yourself as this amazing defensive coach and a coach is a good offensive coach might take a shot on you and, and let you run his defense and then you're in the door and then you go from there and, and so on. So again, do things that you're really confident in. But if you're a, if you're not a co-head coach, if you are a head coach, you know, hopefully you're way up as an assistant, you learn things or even, you know, you take what you did as a player, take the things that you liked from your coaches when you were a player, their offenses that you like, their defenses that you like. If you see a team on TV that you like, your favorite college team, and you love the way they run their offense, learn it, diagram it, go on the internet. I mean, there's so many coaching videos. You know, when I when I first got my first high school coaching job, I immediately bought all of the Duke um, Coach K coaching videos. And I still have them to this day. And they were a great asset because I thought, so for me, Coach K was the, is you know, was the number one coach. Things really haven't changed much in my opinion of him. I think he's a great coach. And so I was like, okay, if he's my coaching, if the guy I look up to as a coach, then I want to get all the information on what he does. And there's some things in those videos that are 20 years old that we still do on my teams because I think they're fantastic. And I think they work. And I think they stand the test of time. The way the game changes, they still work. So my point is, Get all the information you can, put it all together, and and no one's expecting you to change the world your first year. So, you know, your first year, maybe things aren't going to be great. Maybe you're going to be a little confused, but see what works, see what doesn't work, and it's okay to change things. It's okay. You don't have to, you know, you don't have to say, well, I chose this offense. I'm going to run it forever. No, if it's not working evolve, change it a little bit, start to change it every day until it's become this new offense that you like even better, you know, and, and don't be so prideful, you know, that you can't listen to assistance, that you can't take what other people have done before you. None of us have really come up with a brand new offense. Everything we've, everything that a coach has, they've learned from somewhere else, you know? So 
if your assistants have great ideas, listen to those ideas. You don't have to use them, but listen to them. And maybe something that they say clicks and you go, okay, that's great. And then you can use some of their, some of their stuff. And so it's just a learning process. And the second thing he asked me was player development. You know, he said, I really struggle with player development and I don't know what's, what I should be doing and what I shouldn't. And again, as, as a, as a guy who's never been a player development coach and I've only been, you know, like a team coach, I'm not huge on what, you know, basketball trainers do because I think they teach 10 dribble moves. They treat you, teach you to like go behind the back and behind the back again and then spin and then pull up. And it, these are moves that no one does, you know, I mean, even NBA play, players rarely do moves like that. It's usually simple stuff, one dribble pull-ups, two dribble pull-ups, you know, getting to the basket, being able to finish with both hands. And those are the things you just need to work on, especially if you're a high school or lower coach, you know. It's just being able to finish the basketball when you get around the basket, you know. A one dribble pull-up, even at the college level, you don't see a ton of guys who are able to do a very good one dribble pull-up. I mean, there's some that can, good players can, but it's it's not an easy thing to do. So, you know, something like that, you work on that, you work on your mid-range game, a lot of just reps and reps and reps. The younger the, the players are, the more they just need reps. And that's what I kind of told him. And and I also said, he, you know, go on YouTube. There's a million basketball trainers on YouTube who are, you know, putting content out there of good stuff. And you go through it and look what works, look what you like, and try it on your players. And if it doesn't work, then the next time do something else, you know, and, and, and keep doing it until you find something that you really like that seems to engage your players and and help get them better and then when you start playing games you see what your players are using in the games and that's the stuff you should be working on right you might work on move x y and z and then in the game those situations never come up and even though they might be really good moves to work on those situations within your offense or within the level you're playing at never come up so teach them the stuff they are going to be using in the game you know if you don't have an offense where guys are gonna come off ball screens because you don't really run a ball screen offense. Maybe you run an off ball screen offense where guys are just passing and picking away. Well then spend more time with these guys working on catch and shoot when they come off a screen. Or when they catch one dribble, you know, a defender's on them, they, they pump fake one dribble and shoot. Or, or curling off screens, things like this. So whatever your offense is, your individual player development stuff should should work around what you're doing within the context of your offense. So if you're not sure, as soon as you, you know, what you see you guys do in practice scrimmages and in, in, in your early games is the stuff you want to do for player development. Last thing we're going to talk about today in the strategy session is getting out of your comfort zone. And the reason this comes up is, as I mentioned, we, we got beat up pretty good in our first game. And what was disheartening, as I, as I mentioned, is we got outran. And what I mean by that is the other team was faster than us up and down the floor. And the thing is, they have a guy on their team who's 320. They have a 6'9 guy. They have big guys. And these guys were sprinting and out-sprinting us down the floor. And my problem with that is these guys aren't faster than us. They just played at a higher level than us. And when you get to a game the speed needs to be the same as it is in your practice. And it's not for us. And so I'll just give you a little backstory. We have 19 players on our team. And every single one of those players believes they should be playing. And that's great. You know, we don't have like a couple 
freshmen that are kind of see see the writing on the wall and go, okay, I, I'm good. You know, I, I'll, I'll wait my turn. We have a lot of JC guys. We have a lot of juniors and seniors. And we have a lot of guys who, who think they should be playing. And I was really hoping and thinking that that would breed just insane competition, insane work ethic as guys wanted to fight for these minutes. You know, there's not enough minutes to play 19 guys. There's not enough minutes to play 15 guys. Especially when I think that my starting group is really, really good. So they're going to play a majority of the minutes. So the guys who are not in the starting five are going to be fighting for not a ton of minutes. So I thought the competition would be very high level. And it started off that way. But before you play any games, no one really knows what the pecking order is and what the minutes are. So everyone kind of got into, I don't want to say a rut because it wasn't a rut, but they got into their comfort zone, which is they play like they do every day and they think this is good enough. I I score sometimes, I defend okay, you know, or whatever it is, you know. And so there wasn't, they, look, these guys are going to battle every day in practice. That There's no doubt about it. But when we start going full court instead of half court, if everyone runs at the same speed, then everyone's running at a speed they think is okay. And we got to a game and the other team ran faster than us and played harder than us. And I'm sure... There's no doubt in my mind that's why we missed so many shots. As I mentioned earlier, all these open shots is because we were out of our comfort zone. The game was going faster than we were, and so our guys were just a little off. And, you know, we got manhandled on the, on the glass. We got manhandled in the post. And it's because part of it's my fault. I let guys get away with small mistakes because, in my opinion, you know, our defense, sometimes there's big mistakes and I want to correct the big mistakes and sometimes there's little mistakes and and I want to be detail-oriented, but with 19 guys, I would be spending the entire time correcting every single little thing and you don't have time to do that with 19 guys. And so you you I take the, the big stuff and we correct the big stuff and we correct the medium-sized stuff and sometimes things get missed because there's too many guys and we'd be correcting a thousand things and everyone would feel like they're terrible basketball players because every second of every day I'm on them. So, but that's not the point. The point is that we didn't play fast enough and we didn't play hard enough and our comfort zone was at one level and their comfort zone was at a higher level and that comfort zone for them made them able to play faster than us and still make shots. Able to outrun us and get fast break points. I bet they got... 10 to 12. Oh, no, I think I remember it was 14 0 in fast break points. And I think that fast break points, I don't want to get too much on a tangent here, but fast break points aren't exactly accurate because it's like to the discretion of the person what a fast break is. And sometimes it's like, well, it's only a fast break if you get a steal or something. I don't know. Because I know we scored in transition. There's no doubt about it. Um, maybe we just didn't score their definition of transition. But anyway, if they had 14 to our zero, I mean, that's a huge thing. And, you know, there was times where our point, you know, we shot a ball and our point guard didn't get back and somebody leaked out and they threw it over the top and got a dunk. Or we turned it over, the point guard probed and we turned it over and they got on the break and it was three on one or something. And what I noticed was once we got down by, you know, X amount of points, we didn't sprint back as hard. Some guys didn't sprint back at all. And it was frustrating to me. And... If we play that team again, I don't think we lose. We end up losing by 33. I don't think we lose by 33, but I, I don't think we win because 
the team that I put out on the floor was not at the same level that their team was. Now, my goal is to have that change, and, we're, and we've been starting to work on that, and I think it's going well so far. So basically what I did is I just said the speed we played at for everything we did in that game was not fast enough. It wasn't strong enough. It wasn't hard enough. We, didn't, we weren't there for the fight. You know? And I always talk about being there for the fight. And in that game, we weren't there for the fight. You know, if a guy got posted up, he just played behind the guy and the guy backed him in and scored. We didn't, we didn't fight back. And that to me is unacceptable. And so since that last game last week, we've been running everything harder and faster. And, you know, it's, it's tough because we have two guys, you know, probably our best player has a slightly torn calf muscle. And he's trying to play through it. And so he can't go hard all the time. And I don't want him going hard in practice because I don't want him to aggravate it or hurt it or whatever. You know, we need to save him for games. Well, then you run into a problem. Well, then the next guy goes, well, why do I have to run hard when this guy doesn't run hard? He gets to start and take all the shots or whatever. So you run into problems here. And then, you know, we have a big guy who's slow. And... You know, some things he just isn't physically able to do because he weighs 300 pounds. So the next guy goes, well, he's not running as hard as I am, you know. And so we, it's, you run into problems. And so I just said, that's it. Everyone's going to go hard. And if you don't go hard, then we'll just slide you off the floor and we'll slide in someone who's going to play hard. Because it doesn't matter what your excuses are. If you can't play at their comfort level, then we, weren't, we aren't going to win. And so if those guys can't play because they can't play at that level, then they can't play. And so it basically came down to me demanding that we, we raise our comfort level to another higher level. And let me tell you something. The first day we, put, we started doing this, because we talked about it, no one could make a shot. And it's the same thing that happened in the game because we were probably finally playing at the speed that that other team was playing at. And everybody missed everything. And that's, that's great. That actually made me feel good because it, me, it, it makes me know that we're playing at a speed that's outside of our normal comfort level. And so once we get used to playing at that level, then that level will become our norm. And it's funny because as soon as I demanded it, they just did it. They didn't argue. They didn't say, I can't do this. They didn't say, I'm too tired. They just started doing it. And they were tired. There's no doubt about it. But every day it's gotten a little bit better. And now guys are making shots. And now we're sprinting the floor every single time and guys are making shots. Now we're running our offense fast and guys are making shots. And I'm very excited about where we're headed with it. And, you know, it's going to be up to me to continue to not let them settle into those ruts they were in before. It's going to be up to me, you know, when I say me, I mean me and, and my coaches, to keep them at this level every day in practice. Because over the grind of a long season, it's very easy to, you know, get worn out and take a day off or get worn out and and whatever the excuse is, you know, why you're not playing hard. And then the next guy does it, the next guy does it, and we're back to where we were. And where we were was good enough to play with a lot of teams, but it's not good enough to play with elite teams. And that's where we want to be. We want to be an elite team. And I think we have the talent and the roster to do it. But now it's us bringing our level up. So, you know, how does this, what do you do with this? Look at your team. See if they're playing at the level that you believe that a top team in your conference or, or you know, in your, in your competition level is playing at. 
Because if they're not, then you can never be as good as those teams. You know, maybe one day you shoot the lights out and you could beat that team. But over if you played that team 10 times, they're going to beat you seven or eight because they play harder consistently. So maybe it's not in your conference. If you're the best team in your conference, maybe the best team, you know, locally or in, in your state or nationally. Because whatever your goals are, that's you have to find the teams that you want to compete against and start playing at the same level as them or or, or you're never going to be able to beat them. And raising that comfort zone, you know, and it's funny because everyone talks about it when you're young, leaving your comfort zone. But when I've gotten to the college level, I haven't heard a lot of people talk about it. And that's probably because a lot of guys naturally play really hard or maybe a lot of coaches naturally demand it. And I thought I demanded it, but now that I'm demanding it even more, I see the increase in level. And maybe when we get and be and this new level that we're at, when that becomes the norm, maybe we can even go faster. Maybe we can even be stronger. And we just keep raising our level up. And that's that's like the exciting future and the exciting hope that I have is that where where we're headed is not to not the end, you know, the ne- the le- next level is not the peak. The next level is the next level, and then there's a level after that and a level after that. So take a look at your team. See how hard they're playing. See if they're doing things the right way. Seeing if they're being aggressive on defense. See if they're sprinting the floor. See if they're sprinting for offensive rebounds. You know, that was a thing that, you know, we we struggled with because we have – we play a three-guard, two-post offense, and sometimes our big pick-and-pops. So there's times where – we have four guys in the perimeter. Well, if we take a three-pointer, that leaves one offensive rebounder. And you're talking about either getting back on defense or running into the paint and then even running further back, you know, further to get back on defense. And that's hard to do and guys don't do it. So what was happening is we only have one guy to the offensive glass. Well, immediately I said, no, that's not going to work. We're going to put three to the offensive glass and two get back. And they can do it, you know. And does it take more energy and more effort? Of course it does. But that's what we're here to do. We're trying to get more energy and more effort out of our guys. We're trying to get extra possessions and extra baskets and things that are going to help us win. So you can demand that your guys go offensive rebound. They do it. They did it immediately. And I'm really excited for it. We play this Saturday. And I'm very excited to see if some of the things that we have done, if our comfort level goes up, if our energy goes up, if our effort for offensive rebounding, if all these things trend in a positive direction because of the change we've made. I'm, I'm excited to see that, and I hope they will, and I believe they will. So that's it for today. I really thank you for listening, and we will see you next time. Mm-hmm.